Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the It's Become a Whole Thing podcast with me, your host, Emily Rose. Uh, and it really is just me today. Uh, it's just, it's baby's first solo episode. Um, I'm coming to you live, uh, hot and bothered, but like not in the fun way. <laughs> We're just going to have a fun little short and sweet episode this week because I am <laughs> tender and fragile, <laughs> somehow even more than normal. <laughs> Like I'm riding along on the hot mess express. I think you guys hear me say that most weeks, Um, but I think it's kind of chugging along at warp speed. And it seems like everyone that I've been speaking to is joining me on that train. (laughs) I mean, maybe you're not like, maybe you're doing well and you're thriving. If you are like, I love that for you. And if that's the case, teach me your ways. like message me or like (laughs) send some of that my way if you have a little extra to go around. But, uh, you know, I was driving along this week and a tiny little rock hit my windshield, uh, and it cracked it. (laughs) And because it's really cold where I live, uh, and it's a city that's filled with potholes, uh, it very quickly spread to a giant, like spidered crack that has taken over like my whole windshield. I don't know how it's not fallen off. Um, does this feel like a metaphor for my mental health? Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, it does. So we had this whole episode plan. We had last week's episode on Justin Bieber and Haley Bieber's relationship, and it really spawned two different monolithic topics that we have to get into. One is Hillsong and a deep dive into all the insidious, dark undercurrents of Hillsong. And the other is Scooter Braun. Those are each going to be their own episode. Those are going to be coming very soon, but uh, but not this week because it's a, it's a long, boring technical story. But we will be doing a Hillsong adjacent episode all about celebrity cults, talking about celebrities that got involved in cults, that started their own cults. And we're just going to try to intersperse it with some giggling because really that's the goal. The goal is to giggle and to just get a a little break from staring into the void. So, you know, let's all let's like take a moment. The, The vibes are a little weird in the world at the moment. It's a little like looming, maybe world war. The thing about this whole situation with Ukraine and Russia and the whole world getting involved, it it feels like an old school war, world war kind of vibe. I mean, okay. So I don't know if this is going to make anyone feel better or worse, but wars in a way are being fought all the time when we're not even really aware of it by kind of a modern definition of it. So wars used to be fought by like, hey, I'm declaring war on you. I got my tanks ready, pointed right at you, uh, and I'm coming in hot. And now it's 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 not done that way. It's really done uh, by shaking hands and making business deals because ultimately the goal of a war generally is to take over another country. And if you're doing that by taking over all of their business, it's done. Like you run the show. If you want to know more about that, I really recommend the book Confessions of an Economic Hitman by John Perkins. Um, But that's not what we're here for. Like, (laughs) don't go, don't go poli sci major on everyone, Emily. Uh, Bring it back. (laughs) Bring it back. Okay. So (laughs) bring it back to our, uh, to our celeb gossip that we're here to just, uh, we're here to take the edge off, not put more of an edge on We're we're, we're edged. We're edged. Is that a word? We're pointy. Oh my God. You're, you're just really here. Uh, I said, you're here to kind of like take a load off. Maybe you're just here to unravel with me. Join me on this spiral, you know? So 
for last week's Patreon, we actually had an incredible listener come forth and talk about her experiences in a cult. And from that, it spawned so many of you guys writing to me and talking about your firsthand experiences um, in cults involved with the Hillsong Church. All of that's going to be in a future episode. I really appreciate all your stories. And if you have any more, keep them coming. Message me on Instagram. It's become a whole thing. I am here for it. Uh, I'm shocked and gagged and gooped. I mean, mostly because, you know, I've been talking about this a bit on social media, but I'm realizing more and more that I've had a very um, utopic view of religion. Like I've had a very uh, great experience (laughs) with organized religion, which I don't know how many of you can relate to, or if that's really unrelatable. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like I've been very innocent to this whole thing. And my, my eyes are kind of being open. Cause I mean, I grew up just, I mean, I grew up Jewish. Uh, I still am. And it was one of those things where I, I was going through my teenage rebellion and I was like, I'm not Jewish anymore. And I, my parents were like, okay, like, you know, live your life. Uh, and then, I mean, I came to realize it, it's sort of a little different than your typical religion because it's a religion and a culture intertwined, but it is kind of the way that I, I see the world. And I'm part of a congregation in Montreal. That's just it's, it's run by two queer rabbis. Uh, <laughs> most of the congregation is like young queer couples and like cute old people. So like, <laughs> it's kind of like a sea of purple hair and silver hair, but it's very, I don't know. It's just a very lovely scene. There's a lot of like activism and openness. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm coming from. And as for my holidays, there's something that I've really tried to rope in uh, a lot of friends over the years. I, I gotta say, I throw a mean Passover Seder. For those of you who aren't familiar, it's the holidays coming up in the spring. It's a story of kind of liberation, but <laughs> part of the whole holiday is you're supposed to get shwasted. Seriously, it's it's written into the book, <laughs> this little hot, a guidebook for the holiday called a Haggadah, that you're supposed to drink four full glasses of wine uh, before <laughs> the meal even starts. So like, it, it's one of the many uh, wasty face Jewish holidays <laughs> that gets really festive. And um, I, I had a huge friend Seder. I invited like a whole bunch of friends who most of whom had never been part of any kind of Jewish religious ceremony before. And I explained to them, like one of the rules is because you're supposed to be celebrating liberation, uh, you can't pour your own wine. Someone has to pour wine for you. <laughs> and I got so rowdy that by the end of the night, that rule slowly evolved into you weren't allowed to feed yourself dessert. Someone else had to feed it to you. <laughs> so like, I don't know. I, I, I've just had this very chill time with religion. That being said, <laughs> it's given me my fair share of neuroticism. I don't know if you guys know Binge City or Julia Hava on on Instagram or she has a she has a podcast bingetopia but a little while back she she put out this this question to everyone saying if you grew up in a Jewish household what were some like neurotic rules and I was crying at the answers because that was my childhood to a T like someone said my parents never let me ride a bike because you could fall and it would cause internal bleeding. And I was just, I was laughing so hard because yes, I was taught to how to ride a bike, but I think it was like 11 years old. And then every time I would try to ride it, I was like ominously warned of like all the fatalities (laughs) that occur by bike riding. And I literally like (laughs) had to move back home two years ago, like to help out at home. And once again, I was banned from bike riding. (laughs) 
like in my 30s as a grown-up I was not allowed to bike so like true um and the other one another one was someone said I wasn't allowed to wear a hoodie to bed because the strings could asphyxiate you and same the amount of times I was worried about like strangulation in my sleep like I don't know any I've never heard like a news story of that happening to anyone uh but I was worried of it constantly and Julia was Julia's comment on that was yeah growing up in a Jewish household can be like being in a psych ward (laughs) any sharp objects or things that could harm me or take it away uh so yeah for better or for worse that's my background that's my culture (laughs) because we have intergenerational trauma uh, oh God, I need, I need to stop off key singing for you guys. I mean, we, I think regardless of our individual circumstance, we've all been through enough that we don't need to hear my toneless singing. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, my, that's, that's my background going into speaking about religion. I'm just kind of open to hearing about people's experiences and who oh boy. Uh, okay. So let's get into the world of, so first we're going to talk about celebrities that have started their own cults. And then we're going to talk about celebrities that just got roped into them. But first I was doing research for this episode and I was really asking myself, what is the difference between a cult and a religion? And I came across this really interesting article by Sam Fleischacker. I'll I'll link everything in the episode description, but he said here, I suggest the real difference between a cult and a religion about a hundred years. And then he, he basically went on to say like, once a cult is able to establish itself for several generations, we call it a religion. And, you know, before that we dismiss it as a threat. (laughs) And then, you know, he he elaborated that this may seem uh, dismissive and it may seem mocking uh, of religion of itself, but like it wasn't intended that way. I mean, it was more to say that we respect a group that can keep themselves going for many generations because often that kind of uh, sifts out the sort of like self-destructive, oppressive, anti-social behavior that, that we kind of come to associate cults with. But at the same time, it is very interesting because a lot of the difference between a cult and a religion is societal acceptance. There was a, there was another description from the University of Pennsylvania's religious department talking about how a cult is a term that doesn't refer to religion at all, but rather it's a social movement. So they were saying that it really comes down to an intuitive feeling. So for example, you take Mormonism, it's relatively new. It's evolved into something that's understood as a religion. However, according to research, non-Mormons in the U.S. are more likely to label Mormonism as a cult. So it's like, you know, you ask a hundred people, whether Scientology is a cult, I think most of them will say it is. Maybe those within it will say it's a religion. It's ambiguous. But one thing is for sure, (laughs) the list that we're now about to get into is a list of I would say undebatably just cults that celebrities have started. So (laughs) let's get started. The first celebrity that started their own cult, Jared Leto. Uh... (laughs) unexpected. Did you guys know Jared Leto has his own cult? I mean, he's a singer. He's this actor. Um, you might know him from the band 30 Seconds to Mars. He, most recently, he was known for being the Joker in the movie Suicide Squad. Uh, you know, he was holding uh, a model of his own decapitated head during the 2019 Met Gala. You know, that kind of thing. And... <laughs> 
he has what he calls a retreat and what many call a cult. So I will explain. First things first, Jared doesn't call his fans fans. He calls them the echelon. So that's kind of like your first tip off that like eh, things are a little sketch. They started off by inviting the the echelon, not the fans, the echelon to a retreat in Croatia. And everyone had to wear these white robes. That's also kind of like, you know, it's pretty... Like a whole lot of people wearing white white robes, usually not the best vibes. It was a couple hundred devotees or the echelon on this island off of Croatia, all dressed in white, uh, performing music and doing yoga. And he actually, he, he kind of played around with everyone kind of catching on to this. And he posted a bunch of photos of everyone in a circle in the white robes and said, yes, this is a cult. <laughs> like that was the caption on his photo. Uh, like, what do we make of this? To go to this retreat, it cost up to $7,000 for three days. Uh, that was the highest tier of his echelon VIP experience. But I think everyone had like access to him. It was, it was called the Camp Mars and, and, and it continued. It went from Croatia to Malibu. I, like it's sort of this thing that's every year. And he said that it came from all these reporters saying that he had a cult following for his band. And then he said, so that made me decide to join a cult. And like, whether that's him playing with us and trolling us, I don't know. I just, I don't trust a guy being like, I'm just kidding, guys. I just have a cult as a joke. Like, it's all just a funny joke. I, 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 I've, I've got my eye on him. And, and for that matter, I mean, I've got my eye on anyone who does method acting, which is like another one of his things. You know, when he was the Joker in the Suicide Squad, he, the movie, he, he had seven minutes of screen time. Like I'm not exaggerating. He had seven minutes of screen time, but he went fully method and he got into that mode by sending dead rats and use condoms to his coworkers. It's like, dude, get over yourself. So if that's his way of taking on this like minor role in like a poorly reviewed like offshoot superhero supervillain movie or whatever who knows what he's doing once he gets his devoted uh the echelon onto his island of the people that love him enough that they'll pay thousands of dollars hang out with him in white robes you know I I don't know modern day you know uh egomaniac white dudes with big beards and like white robes like I I uh I'm gonna go with uh do not trust uh (laughs) I'm going to go with closely monitor. Maybe we need to send some like, uh, like a mole in on the, <laughs> the 2022 retreat. If someone wants to volunteer and spend uh, $7,000, like, you know, keep an eye on the sitch. I feel like it very quickly escalates from, you know, like yoga and white robes to like a Kool-Aid situation, allegedly. Uh, All right. So next up, we've got a celebrity that uh, we like to chat about on this this pod who started their own church. Kris Jenner has her own church that she founded in the year 2008, and it's still running today. You could call it a church. You could call it a cult. You could call it uh, her way of like, a, you know, one of her many money laundering schemes, allegedly. That, that's another thing. Everything that I say in this episode is lies. They're alleged. They're, it's, it's made up, uh, you know, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't think I'm like important enough for the Kardashian camp 
<laughs> Kardashian camp spelt with a K uh, to be listening to my pod. But if they are, you know, this is all just fun little made up chit chats. So Chris started her church in 2008 and it's currently sits as a nonprofit charity. It requires its members to pay $1,000 a month or 10% of their income as donations to the church. Oh my God. Uh, this article, this article from the guardian said that it was a church founded by reality spider plant, Chris Jenner. <laughs> and like, for those of you who love like house plants, you know, like uh, spider plants, just they'll grow in like any conditions and they just proliferate and they create like so many little like offshoots, um, like little replicas of themselves. It was just the perfect way of describing this woman. So the whole thing is basically this big tax write-off and it's wild. As it stands, they still ha- they have so many ways for you to donate money. They have apps. They have scheduled giving. You can give via text in person. Like uh, there's there's no, <laughs> there's no shortage of ways to hand over your money to uh, down and out Chris Jenner, who really could use the money for this nonprofit. Uh, <laughs> where that money's going. I mean, I haven't seen her starting too many soup kitchens uh, lately or ever. So not only that, of course, you know, it wouldn't be a Kardashian operation without roping in some sketchy characters. So she hired this guy, Brad Johnson, as the pastor, and he's this disgraced pastor who had been kicked out of another church for committing adultery against his wife and had a bunch of other allegations against him of, of misconduct. Fun fact, he officiated Chloe and Lamar's wedding in 2009. So <laughs> this charity, funny enough, actually outed by this TikToker, Ellen Mitchell. So she's Ellen underscore Mitchell on TikTok. And she actually rooted around and figured out that Kim Kardashian has a an eBay account where she takes all, a lot of the products that she's given because she's given you know so many she puts them up on eBay and then donates the profits to charity and the charity is the California Community Church and by the way sneaky sneaky Chris of course she didn't put any K's in it it's it's three C uh, <laughs> she didn't want people to be tipped off to it but I I wonder sometimes whether uh, TikTok makes them sweat because of how many like little vigilante reporters there are out there who are Get, you know, getting into all their their little insidious uh, methods of of screwing over the people, the little people, which is us. But also, I think you know, to them, they feed off of like evil and negativity and anxiety. That's what makes their empire go round. So as I think, as to them, as long as we're talking about them, no matter how negative, like it's good, you know. And like for people asking like why she would do something like that and why she would still have something like that up and running. I mean, it's like saying like, why wouldn't Jeff Bezos pay his employees more uh, when doing so would still leave him with more wealth than he can spend a lifetime (laughs) because he's Dr. Evil and Kris Jenner's Satan, you know? So California Community Church got my eye on that one as well. Like, uh, (laughs) Chris, (laughs) like what the fuck? Okay, so next up, speaking of characters that are known for uh, sketchiness and not having a great reputation, guess who else has their own turn? Think of like, you know, someone who has been uh, as close to canceled as you can be because, you know, obviously cancel culture is not real. Like people have to lay low for three months and they bounce right back. 
but this one has, uh, he's not been able to quite shake off all of his misgivings. It's Mel Gibson. So <laughs> Mel Gibson has his own church, the church of the Holy family. Uh, and it's something that he's poured $68 million into it. It's, it's now since been changed to the Holy family chapel, but basically it's, it operates out of this very heavily fortified 17 acre compound in, uh, in Los Angeles. And he's listed as the CEO in federal tax records. Um, and as it was last reported, his congregation numbered, uh, 70 heavily screened worshipers. Okay. Um, so this church sounds like a good old time, as you could imagine, when I say Mel Gibson running a church, it's a Catholic church. And not only that, but it's a Catholic church that likes to take it back in time because it is his belief that, uh, everything went awry for the Catholic church in around 1958, when they switched popes, uh, interestingly enough, that new Pope after 1958 was one that denounced anti-Semitism. So interesting, uh, to quote Mel, he said, there was nothing wrong with the Catholic church before Vatican II's reforms. It didn't need to be fixed. It was doing pretty well. <laughs> he said, he went on to say, I think there's going to need to be a housekeeping. It is going to have to come back to some sort of equilibrium in the future. He said, noting that a cleanup would help the church's image. You know what, Mel? I think that maybe um, like image control isn't like your strong suit. Like it's kind of like a, you know, maybe it's it's like the type of thing that it's like not quite your forte. So like it's not really something you can advise to other people on. Like just just a thought. Uh, but as for his uh, how he how he runs things, so it rejects what he calls modernism. All the sermons run entirely in Latin, so. I guess that's probably why his uh, congregation is limited and heavily screened uh, for the, it needs to be limited to those who had taken Latin in like high school and were actually paying attention. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it is a, it is a sect of Catholicism and it's this, I mean, it's an extremist group affiliated with like this ultra conservative stream of Catholicism, Catholicism known as Sedevac sedevacantism sedevacantism meaning the seat of the papacy is empty meaning like they don't recognize the, the current pope because he's up to like all kinds of like modern evils uh yikes so a sketchy church would not be uh what it is without some hypocrisy so while he's you know he's there he's pouring his tens of millions of dollars into it. He's preaching about not being modern. He has made an exception for divorce, <laughs> but like, of course, you know, and that's something that we're going to really, really get into in our Hillsong episode. <sighs> Who's surprised by that? And so there was some disapproval within his church, within his church. So at one point, everyone was sort of uh, going like, Mel, it doesn't quite make sense. You know, we're not allowed to like sin and, you know, get off, but you're allowed to go and <laughs> you know, uh, like what is he on his like eighth marriage or no, he has eight kids with like a bunch of different women of this. And he went up on the stage and he threw a complete hissy fit and said he would not tolerate people's insolence. He would shut everything down. Uh, but I mean, he still has members. He still has 70 members and like, who knows how much of their money they have to give up to this whole thing. I mean, it's all very secretive. It's also very interesting. So for Patreon users, you'll know in our interview with Melissa, this, this listener who had 
gotten uh, unfortunately roped into this cult um she had said that one of the one of the indicators that started to tip her off that things were amiss and that you know her church was in fact a cult was they were extremely insistent on her watching passion of the christ by mel gibson and she was like the fuck like i'm not here to support mel gibson and i don't really need to watch this like 15 year old like torture porn movie so mel gibson loves extremism extremists love mel gibson it's a match made in heaven and uh it sounds like he's just out there on his compound doing great <laughs> so our next celebrity who has founded their own cult is andrew keegan okay so andrew keegan if you've seen 10 things i hate about you which if you haven't please go watch it. I mean, I'm going to talk because I haven't seen like most of the classic movies that like make everyone go like, well, you haven't seen it, but like you must watch 10 Things I Hate About You. Um, and if you've already seen it, you should probably be re-watching it. Uh, but he was that like hot jerk. Like he was like the male model who was Bianca's boyfriend. And then like, he was the one who held up those two photos that were identical where he had a black shirt, white shirt. He's like, which one's better? They're so different. He founded his own cult. I mean, he calls it a spiritual community, but it's called Full Circle. <laughs> Vulture.com uh, had a really great way of describing it, which was the actual theology of the group is tough to pin down, but it seems to loosely follow Hinduism or at least Russell Brand's Sanskrit tattoo version of it. So it's this very secretive, vaguely Eastern spiritual society that he keeps tightly on lockdown. Anyone has any information about it or knows where to dig in more? I've dug and dug and I can't find it, but he's still, he has this up and running and he has members. Uh, let me know, DM me. Thanks. So that was a little list of uh, the megalomaniac celebrities that have started their own cults. I'm going to switch gears and talk about some of the celebrities that got roped into cults that were already established. And guys, I'm just going to preface this. I'm not going to get into Scientology. Like it's very much its own topic. Um, I know Beyond the Blinds just did an episode about it recently. I don't have like the time or the patience. I just, oh God, I, I can't even get down on that frequency. But, uh, and and same goes for Nexium. Like I'm really just going to leave that out. But yeah, it, it's really its own thing. I mean, it's, it's very popular because, you know, there were some big, celebrity names that were involved in it. It was just like this abusive sex cult, like masquerading as a self-help group. I'm going to leave that to many of the other, you know, documentaries and podcasts that have covered that. But I will say this about Nexium. Uh, when it was first coming out, the news was breaking about this place. I was getting caught up in my own little light pyramid scheme. So, I mean, this is why I'm so fascinated by like cult, the, the pyramid scheme style, like coaching, you know, epidemic industrial complex, like what have you, because I am so gullible. I've been too trusting in the past and I have been roped into things. I get really, uh, I get really into it and I kind of, I kind of lose the plot. So like, if you listen to my episode off the spiritual deep end with the Zen blonde, you'll, you know, you'll hear all about my million hours of like silent meditation that I did. I was like, you know, it's, it's part of that little thing in my brain. that's like, Ooh, a little is good. And a lot is better, but it's just funny because I, I'm not proud to say this, but when the news was breaking about Nexium, there's this podcast that was made by the CBC, which is like a really popular network in Canada called Escaping Nexium. And it centered around this protagonist, Sarah Edmondson. And she's from Montreal. She's so similar to me in so many ways. So she's from Montreal. She uh, got involved with Nexium, which is heavily funded by the Bronfman family. Now I went to like 
summer camp at like the Bronfman Center when I was a kid. <laughs> and then like me, she moved out West and she got involved into what she thought was this huge movement of like self-improvement and wellness. This story was breaking. Meanwhile, I was just like a lost little chicken. I was like trying to like start my business up, but like the hot mess express was like going off the rails. And so I was kind of like uh, caught up in this very, um, predatory business scheme. Uh, and I just, I, I just spent, spent way too much money on uh, like coaching. I was like, yeah, someone helping me. That'd be great. Like, sure. You got to spend, spend money to make money. Like, oh my God, I was such a fool. Uh, <laughs> my God. But this was happening while the news of Nexium was breaking. And I had three friends independently raise concerns that I was getting roped into a cult. Like this is how uh, I'm not joking when I say I'm like shocked that I haven't been roped into a cult thus far, like properly. But I mean, it wasn't a cult. It was just uh, a big old waste of money and time. But um, yeah, that's my little <laughs> Nexium anecdote. But and I, I want to start off with a fun one. And it And when I say fun, it's just like a reminder that, you know, cults can just be eccentric and relatively harmless. So first up is John Lennon. So John Lennon was part of this sort of, it was like a cult. It was a vegetarian restaurant. It's very sixties. There was this hybrid called the source. Um, It was the the restaurant was the center of the source family cult led by Jim Baker, uh, who is also called family yacht. So they once again dressed in white robes and, you know, they served like organic meals to the people. And uh, yeah, you know, he, he was, uh, he would hang out there and like uh, cults don't have to involve, you know, murder and sex scandals. I mean, those are the ones that kind of make the headlines. I think this one was relatively harmless. You know, I dug in, I know John Lennon was no angel, um, which is why Ringo is my favorite Beatle. Um, I don't know if that's actually my choice or whether I just like to be a little bit of an antagonist sometimes, (laughs) but that's that. I mean, maybe I missed something. Maybe they were off doing like weird murdery things. If they were like, let me know. But as far as I know, they weren't. Unfortunately, most cults are not so innocent. So Michelle Pfeiffer is one. So when she was in her early 20s, Michelle Pfeiffer got roped into a cult called breatharianism. So breatharianism sounds to me to be a glorified eating disorder, but basically it's the belief that food is not necessary and sunlight can provide all the nourishment that the body needs and that uh, one can live without food and water if they get to just the right elevated state. So they put her on this diet and yet she got out because she met her first husband, Peter Horton, who at the time was cast in a movie about cults. And but while hearing like details of this group, he was like, uh, babe, you're in a cult. And so she promptly cut ties and was like heavily embarrassed. But I, I'd always heard about breatharian growing up and I thought it was a practical joke, uh, but they're real and they're out there and they believe that you can just uh, breathe your way into uh, nirvana or, you know, maybe that's just whatever diet culture gone awry. I mean, that was sort of, I think she kind of got off easy, but the next celebrities did not get off easy because they were involved in the children of God. And by they, I mean, there was a decent number of celebrities that were involved in this cult. So for those of you who hadn't heard of the children of God, um, it's bad. It doesn't identify itself as a religion. I mean, or as a cult, most of them don't. It refers to itself as a spiritual movement. Um, they said their objective is to enable members to become truly who they were destined to be. Um, 
and they're there to build a utopian society, yada, yada. But one of the many celebrities that actually grew up in this was Glenn Close. And she had said basically that it was like being raised by the Taliban. She said, you weren't allowed to do anything. You weren't allowed, you were, and you were made to feel guilty about any unnatural desire. And if you talk to anybody who was in the group, uh, they basically, you know, they dictate how you're supposed to live, what you're supposed to say, how you're supposed to feel uh, from the time you're a very young child until you're, uh, you know, into your adult years. And she was there until she was 22. She had to go through this huge process of forgiveness for parents. And that thing is, it's, it's vulnerable people that they prey upon who, I mean, I'm not saying that like her parents are, you know, absolved of guilt, but it's like, I think you have to be in a really bad place to get roped into a cult in the first place because, you know, they have everything set up to, to kind of, uh, pull one over you and, 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 and lure you in when you're, you're in a bad place. Not that it's their fault, but she talked about how it was basically a lifelong process of forgiving her parents for, you know, having her join this cult. And another thing like trigger warning, um, uh, they, you know, they were known for extensive, extensive, uh, abuse and sexual abuse of children. So it's just, you know, it's, it's bad. It's really rough. Um, and, uh, other celebrities that were born into this were the Arquettes. So David and Patricia Arquette, Rose McGowan and River Phoenix. Um, so River Phoenix actually has, um, the name Phoenix, because when his family finally escaped the cult, uh, they changed their last name to Phoenix to symbolize like this turning over the, of the chapter um, and of that experience and of his upbringing. And another member of um, had actually grown up in the Children of God was a musician, Christopher Owens. And he also said, compared it to the Taliban, he said, imagine being raised by the Taliban, being told everyone else in the world is bad, rejecting technology, rejecting medical research, being devoted to God and believing America was evil and the end of the world was coming. So all the same wildly, I actually was in a class. I was in this like small discussion-based class in university with someone who had grown up in children of God and who boy, it was a wild ride. Like she started to open up to us about her time in this cult. I was sort of in this, like, um, this class was very like hippy dippy, um, within the university. And it was all about like talking. You got like, most of your grades were for like participation and holy shit. It was one of the craziest, uh, classroom experiences I've ever had. She went back and forth between telling us about these incredibly shocking and traumatic moments that she had to go through growing up. Very sad. Um, and then yelling at us for not opening up ourselves about our own traumas. So that was fun and really awkward. Uh, but I mean, I don't know, like, I don't know how you get born into this kind of environment and find like any sort of stability. I mean, you look at like, so Rose McGowan is someone else who was raised in this environment. And like, she doesn't seem to be doing very well. Like she talked about how, you know, it was all about serving the men and the men were allowed to have multiple wives. Um, and that she had to, you know, she had to escape in the middle of the night when she left and she ran through a cornfield in thunder and lightning. I mean, and, and she said that the cult sent people after to find them and they escaped to, into a hut and locked themselves in. And, um, one of the members of the cult tried to break in with a hammer. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's really nuts how prolific they were that, like I'd said previously, Patricia and David Arquette had grown up in this cult and they both haven't spoken about it very much, but they did say, you know, they had no access to electricity, bathrooms, running water. Like they were just taught that the outside world was evil and 
they're still going. That's the crazy thing is the children of God is still up and running. So, um, yeah, not good to say the least. Um, and so next up we have, uh, a very, like a bizarre and kind of loose affiliation that was kind of shocking to me when I realized this connection. So that would be Neil Young and the Manson family. So Neil Young wasn't necessarily part of the Manson family cult. Like, obviously he wasn't out there murdering people. Very few people who are part of the cult actually did go out, um, and killed people, but he was hanging out on their ranch. Um, it was known for, you know, ending with this wild crescendo of numerous murders and famous actress at the time, Sharon Tate. Um, but it was made up of about 50 members who followed Charles Manson. They thought he was Jesus Christ. And he was sort of this small, squirrely, very dirty guy. I mean, they were living out in the desert with like not really uh, access to running water. So, you know, he was dusty and crusty, Um, but apparently he was like very magnetic and compelling. And one of the people that was compelled by him was Neil Young. He spent time at the ranch. They they would jam together. Charles Manson actually tried many different times and many different ways to get his music career up and running. Uh, And Neil Young helped him write new music. He gave him a motorcycle. He even tried to help Charles Manson get a professional record deal. So all this was before he went out and murdered. He even reportedly dated one of the Manson girls. So, I mean, Manson was known to be this like someone who was so so feared for being someone who was thought of as someone who could control people's minds and brainwash people um, and take over their bodies and get them to kill for him. But it really wasn't the case. Like I got down a rabbit hole at one point in my life and I started reading every book I could get my hands on about the, the, the Manson family. I, it, I guess it's just fascinating to me because they had such an impact on pop culture. Uh, the sixties were like peace and love, you know, summer of 69. And then by the end of summer of 69, the Manson family committed these murders and it was all done by what society knows to be hippies. And so these hippies who were seen as these like fun, loving, harmless people suddenly were like suspect number one. And it really, uh, it, 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 signaled the end of that sort of like uh, naive wild peace and love like spiritual time and it just it turned the tides on music film as we know it but Neil Young wasn't the only popular musician at the time to get roped into Manson's charms another one was Dennis Wilson of the Beach Boys so he spent serious serious time out on the ranch well he started by picking up two women who were hitchhiking out there and then he got out there and you know he ended up becoming real friends with him and at one point Manson actually moved a whole bunch of his followers into Dennis Wilson's home during that time so it was just uh, I mean, he, he, I don't know if he was compelled by the drug fueled orgies that Charles Manson would host, or maybe they just like to jam together, but yeah, he descended into a deep dark hole of depression, uh, and kind of retreated from society for a very long time after. So our final one on the docket is it's all very alleged, uh, but it involves Jaden and Willow Smith and Kylie and Kendall Jenner, and it involves a society called the Organite Society. So there's like this whole history of celebrities and pyramids and the Illuminati and like, you know, people suspicious that they're all part of it. And it's this whole thing. 
So I don't know if this was just rich celebrity teens, you know, being bored. Uh, but there was a point where they all, <laughs> Jaden, Willow, and Kylie Jenner all claim to be members of the organized society. So this society claims to be a secret society of individuals who create and place organite to balance guys' energy. So it's this type of crystal, but the crystal has to be in a pyramid shape. So stoking kind of like uh, suspicions, you know, message boards on the internet. Um, and it, you know, people found out that Kylie was part of this when it was like, you know, 2013, she posted a photo of, of this crystal pyramid and with the caption love, but, you know, then they were asked about it, her and, and, and Jaden and Willow, um, were asked what they meant. Uh, and at this time, Willow and Jaden and Kylie were all seen uh, pictured carrying their own orgone pyramids, which was which is a key part of group membership. But they supposedly drain negative energy. They emit positive vibes. I mean, if all it is is you know them carrying about around a bunch of crystals, then like you know all of uh, the West Coast may as well be like one big cult. But <laughs> As per usual, as with most of these cults and secret societies, it's run by some horny dude who makes himself out to be some kind of expert. So it's uh, it's run by this guy, Dr. Wilhelm Reich, an Australian psychotherapist who is a student of Sigmund Freud. So uh, he had this doctor had a fixation on the relationship between physical health and sexual ability. So he believed if the libido was strong and orgasms were uninhibited, that a person could reach their physical and societal prime and they would thrive. So the way to this was getting celebrities to carry around crystals. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, I barely trust most yoga studios at this point, um, just because of the douchery going around. And I certainly don't trust any type of spiritual dude talking about sexual libido. They're like a true menace to society. <laughs> I would take like, uh, some drunk bro, you know, uh, being like an open jerk over some guy who's like navel gazing and wearing like poofy pants and talking about his connecting to Gaia via his crystals and how he, uh, does this via his polyamorous commune. Oh my God. Uh, and if you spent any time living on the West coast, like I have, you might've encountered these folks I have by what felt like the thousands. Uh, and now that I'm back on the East, uh, coast of North America, I'm reminded that this is like a very specific character, but <laughs> they're out there. They're trolling the world. Um, so that's it for today, guys. Thanks for joining me for just like, just a nice little relaxed chit chat. Um, we're going to get back into the deep, deep dives. Um, we're going to get into Hillsong and Scooter Braun, who is Justin Bieber's manager. He's also the manager of many other celebrities and has a whole lot of drama associated with him, but that will be in the future. But for now on the Patreon this week, we have a Vanderpump Rules Symposium. So that will be out on Wednesday. And we had... Me and my co-host Sam had uh, some of our close friends join us and we did a whole lot of shots and we talked a whole lot of shit about our favorite show <laughs> has changed our lives forever Vanderpump Rules. So yeah, if you like pod, hit me with a five-star review. Thank you very much. Uh, if you could give me also a follow on Instagram, for some reason, that's like one of the keys to making like 
a lot of what I'm trying to do go around. This goes for my podcast and any podcast, um, but giving a review is one of the best things that you can do for me or for anyone else who's maybe not as like shameless in their self promo. Luckily I am shameless. So I'll say this for me and all podcasters that you like, if you want to support us the best way and easiest way to do it is just hit us with a review, like send it to your friends, all that. Anyhow, I hope you guys have a good week. Um, you guys are the best. Thanks for tuning in to me and my bullshit. I love you guys. Au revoir, mes amours.